We are really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here today. Uh, hey, because our annual party slash meeting, we're feeding you to make it feel like a party, but it's a meeting. Uh, that's coming up at noon. Um, and um, what we like to do on this Sunday each year is to just kind of stop and look back at what God's been doing over this past year uh, amongst us at the Hope Church family. And um, But I want to start out, and we'll get there, and I want to start out in a way that I hope is going to help us kind of frame this. And I want to look at a character that we find in the Gospels, and his name is John the Baptist. It's John the Baptist. Uh, here's a, what he looks like on the... Guess which one's John the Baptist? Yeah, the lot of that side, yeah. Yeah, yep. So from The Chosen, anyway, that's their imagination. Um, I, I think, isn't it in The Chosen where they also, somebody nicknames him Creepy John? So yeah, that's kind of <laughs> a little creepy, right? But some of the things, uh, let's see, let's, let's test. Those of you who've been around Scripture or church a little bit, um, we're going to test your Bible knowledge, a little Bible quiz this morning. Uh, what are some of the things we know about John? Um, like, uh, what about his parents? What do we know about John the Baptist's parents? Elizabeth, Zachariah, and they were like a young college-age couple. No, oh, very old, like miracle birth old. Yes, that's true, that's true. Um, uh, John ends up being the cousin of somebody. Anybody know who? Jesus, yeah, that's, that's kind of a good thing, right? He's a cousin of Jesus. He's just a little bit older than Jesus. Um, anybody know what his, you know, ministry or his, his job would have been? Calling people out, otherwise known as a <laughs> baptizer, also known as a prophet. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. I can, I can count on Dwayne to go with, yeah, yeah, that's good. He was a prophet. Um, and where did he camp out and kind of do his thing? Anybody know what part of the... Arizona, yes. <laughs> similar. Very similar, right? He was out in the wilderness. I heard somebody nail it right there. In the middle of the wilderness, and he, uh, he'd hang out by the Jordan River, and he would do this weird thing. Anybody know what he would do with the water? Yeah, he'd baptize people. Interesting. I mean, what other choice did he have with a name like John the Baptist? I mean, you know, <laughs> put that on your birth certificate, and it's kind of decided for you. Um, and yes, his food. Anybody know what food he ate? Locusts and honey. I'm like, like locusts covered in honey? That might be maybe a way to get it down. Yeah. Anybody know what he wore? Since we're going deep, anybody know what his clothing was? Camels hair. Man, you guys are good. We should have like buzzers. You guys like hitting the, hitting the thing. Um, and who did he baptize that became very, very well known one day? Yeah, there you go. Jesus. He baptized Jesus. And the idea with John the Baptist is that he was preparing the way for the Messiah. He was preparing the way for Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about him being a prophet is, as best as we can tell, at least in the scriptures, um, there had been this season of silence where we had gotten to the end of what Christians call the Old Testament, and there had been no, at least, prophetic um, scriptural kind of recordings of a prophet that had ceased and there had been this long hundreds of years of silence and suddenly we have this legitimate prophet show up. In fact, some people wondered, is John the Baptist actually um, uh, the resurrection of, of the, the, the greatest prophet that had ever happened? Anybody know who, who they wondered? Elijah, yes, right? That Elijah, come back to life. Um, um, he was probably also a rabbi because it said he had disciples. Um, and one of the features of his ministry was he was a great preacher, like really powerful teacher. Um, people came from all over to hear him, even though he was pretty harsh. For example, 
King Herod, we learn in another one of the Gospels, King Herod actually liked to listen to John speak. He really liked listening to him speak, even though John the Baptist uh, eventually called Herod out for stealing his own brother's wife. And then, you know, later Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. But, you know, he liked hearing him speak, at least, (laughs) up until then. Um, And and the thing is, like, think about this. A king, he would actually have to go out to the desert to hear John preach. There was no podcast, no TV. If you wanted to hear somebody preach, you had to show up. And so even King Herod went out and showed up. There's an interesting um, part in uh, Mark 1, verse 4. It's talking about John the Baptist, 4 and 5. It says, he appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I love this verse. Fascinating. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And, and just the phrase that catch me is like, whoa, all the people? Of Jerusalem, all the people. I mean, picture this um, as Mark is scribing, writing down what the Apostle Peter is telling him, and he's writing down what we call the book of Mark. It's Peter telling the story as we, we, we kind of figure. Um, and he's like, hey, listen, and it was amazing. The crowds were so huge. It was like all of Israel. Uh, okay, at least all of Judea and, and all of Jerusalem. They all went out. Everybody showed up. And some scholars think that he may have preached to as many as 100,000, 200,000, even 300,000 people that came out to hear him preach in the desert without stadiums, without sound systems, uh, without advertising, without social media. Can you imagine? I mean, based on the population and the percentage of the people that heard him preach, you know, John might be one of the most successful and popular preachers of all history. And the people that he preached to, it was just astounding to think of how many people came out to hear him preach. And he was so just astounding and impressive that rumors began to float around that, but maybe, maybe, hey, this, maybe John's the Messiah, right? Jesus hasn't shown up yet, but people started to wonder, is he the one? Is he the chosen one? And the truth is that he probably, at least while he was on this earth, he probably preached to far more people than Jesus did, which, again, that's a lot of people. Um, That's something that some people might actually kind of measure. But this interesting feature of John the Baptist's character is that he had humility. He had humility. Um, Maybe it was because verse 6 says what he wore, you know, know, camel's hair and leather belt around his waist. I got the leather belt at least, right? But um, what he ate. But verse 7, here's the humility shows up. Here's his message. says, he said, after me comes the one More powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So as famous as John the Baptist was, and as highly as people thought of him, he was dialed in. He knew why God had called him. He was called to prepare the way, to point to the Messiah, to point to Jesus. He was not the Messiah. He pointed to the Messiah. And in fact, I kind of think that that verse 7 there, where his message is that, I I think he's kind of preaching against this celebrity that they're trying to make him into, right? Because it's all about, not about me, he's saying, it's about Jesus. Now, I actually had written what I'm going to talk about next for a minute here um, months ago, but I didn't have time and I I had cut it out. But I just felt 
like it was supposed to be a part of what we're doing in preparation for just talking about what God's been doing here at Hope today. Um, so I'm going to use this. Um, a pastor friend of mine, when reflecting on John the Baptist, um, Dave Bricky, who's now the pastor up at Church of the Open Door in Minnesota, uh, he was talking about how, how this um, celebrity culture can infect churches of all sizes, big and small. Uh, and, and that got my attention because for me as a follower of Jesus who is serving as a pastor, um, it gets my attention and I think, you know what, I think he's right. And he talked a little more about, you know, the truth is this, that pastors are subtly or not so subtly sometimes taught to really feed off of that. And be, did you guys ever know that? Is that a surprise to anyone? Um, you know, 10 ways to build your platform bigger, you know. Um, it's, it's all out there. And, and I know that we want to avoid getting sucked into that here. Um, and one of the ways here at Hope we know getting sucked into something is to be honest about it, to name it, to say it. And we're not trying to accuse anyone else or judge another pastor or another church or another ministry. Um, but we have to acknowledge that this temptation is real for us to put somebody up on a pedestal and turn them in a celebrity, turn them into a celebrity. Um, because we, we, as a culture, not just in the church, but in the church, but outside the church, our culture has an unhealthy relationship with the word celebrity. And this desire to be known or famous or big also infects the church. And it's a dangerous thing. If we don't pay attention, um, a, quote, successful church of any size can become a place for narcissism to flourish, and we don't want any part of that. And so when I look at John the Baptist's story here, uh, it's like we need to take some cues from what he does. It's so important. See, John the Baptist, essentially he's saying, hey, listen, I'm not the big deal. Jesus is. Um, I'm a pointer, and I point to Jesus. And friends, um, you don't need another hero besides Jesus. We need a lot of pointers but we only have one hero. Now, I'm all for giving honor to where honor is due, and, and I have lots of important mem mentors in my life. Um, but when we think of those people that we want to honor, let's remember what they're actually doing. They're not the hero. They're pointers, right? They're pointers. Jesus is the hero of the story. And one of the great things I think that uh, Dave Bricky did was to challenge us to rewrite the parts of our own stories where we have said things like, well, this person or this preacher, this, this fill in the church name, this church name has, has saved me, right? Or this book, this author has saved me. And, and I want to encourage us to rewrite those parts of our story and insert Jesus into there. Jesus has saved me. Jesus is the hero. Because as much as I love the people that God has used in my life, and I'm deeply grateful that they point me to Jesus, um, I just need to keep remembering. As much as I love those folks, they're pointers, right? They're pointers. And those folks actually know that about themselves, just like John the Baptist. They know, no, no. I'm a pointer. I'm pointing to Jesus. Give Jesus the credit. Jesus is the hero of the story. And so on a day like today, where we're celebrating uh, the things that God has done in our church family, um, there's this temptation 
at least for me, to make this all about our church, right? Um, all the stuff about our church or even all the stuff about our great staff, and we have a great staff, and all the stuff about our pastors, but, but pausing and remembering John the Baptist and remembering, hey, it's all about Jesus. And what we hope family get to do is we get to point people to Jesus. Everything we do is to point people to Jesus, because that's what our church needs to continue to be about, has been for many, many years. We're about pointing people to Jesus and pointing to Jesus. So with that little bit there as the backdrop, I want to do something a little different, um, very different probably than what we normally do on a Sunday message. And for the rest of the time, I do want to talk about um, how this Hope Covenant Church family has been following Jesus this past year and how we keep pointing others and each other to Jesus, to point to Jesus. But I'm going to need your participation on this, okay? Thank you. We got one. We got one. When I get done highlighting an area, I want you all to say, you know, like, woohoo, way Jesus, or way to go, you know, go God, or yes, Jesus, or what, what, you, guys, you guys decide. What are you going to say? What's the? Yay, God. We're going to go with yay, God. All in favor? We'll practice for the annual meeting. All in favor? Nodding, okay. You can clap super loud if you want to. So. I mean, come on, is it okay to have some enthusiasm in here today? I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to be too crazy. I'm not going to ask you to be like you are at a, you know, a Cardinals or a Suns game for Grand Out Loud. Don't go that nuts, but just kidding. All right, so hey, let's practice. All right, so what are we saying? Okay, here we go. Yay, God. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, that's not bad. And if you're not yelling, you better clap loud. All right, here we go. So... As we have done, let me start here, as we have, as we have done um, every year for a number of years now um, since I've been here, we start our year with, with what we call listening prayer. Um, and we did that this past year to kind of set the table for 2021. And that's where we start in, in what we do. And the reason we do that is that Jesus is our guide. We talk here a lot about following Jesus. Um, John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. Now, please disconnect all the weird cultural stuff that's come around the word sheep. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, like, hello, you're a sheep. So, might want to, wow, nobody thought that was funny. That was very uncomfortable. You laughed. Thank you for laughing. Thank you. But if, <laughs> there we go, laugh track. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, but, but Jesus is saying, if you're a follower of me, uh, my sheep listen to my voice, that's us, I know them, and they follow me. That's what we do. We listen for Jesus' voice, and then we follow where he leads us. And so as we were listening for his voice um, for the year, this big verse um, that, that came up uh, really stuck with us. Um, it's in Hebrews chapter 10, and there's a, a few verses to it. So, uh, let's read this out loud. It's two slides, so let's read together out loud on the screen. Ready? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What a great passage. Just like the first couple of verses, like, hey, hold on to hope because God is faithful. Spur each other on with love and good deeds. 
and do not give up meeting together. And it says encourage each other more and more and more and more. And the verse that we really highlighted was that verse 25, not giving up meeting together. That together word that we use a lot is right there. And it really nudged us towards going, okay, God, so what are the ways that you're calling us to practically act that out and make sure that we're doing more life together? Like Sunday morning, gathering here, very, very important. Very important. I think it needs to be a priority in the life of a Christian to go, you know what, it's part of my rhythm of life is that I show up on Sundays and I worship with the family of God. It's not about me always getting something out of it. Sometimes I need to be there because I'm going to be there and be able to connect with or talk to someone. There's many reasons to be Uh, making it a priority to come here. But we also know that we need smaller circles than this to connect with people. So it's a both a deal. We need Sunday morning and we need small groups. And so we relaunched small groups this last year, Uh, small groups where we follow Jesus together. Nicely done. Ready to go. (laughs) Um, If you were here for first service last week, you heard Ben, his story of getting baptized, and a big part of his journey was when he showed up in the summer, late summer, soon after that, we launched small groups, and he um, dove into Brittany and Dalton's small group on Sunday afternoons, and it's a huge part of his story. And if you've watched the video that we've played a few times in the last month or so, you've seen several different people from our church just talking about how God has used small groups to just help them get closer to each other, to learn more about following Jesus and doing it together. So we got a lot of work to do. We're kind of still getting it rolling here. Um, but these small groups are helping us follow Jesus together. It's the primary way that we disciple each other. So can we celebrate this and point to Jesus with a yay God? Is that what we're saying? Yay, yay, Nicely done. Woohoo! Way to go. All right. Now, out of that, we also had some ladies that recognized that this being together piece and gathering together and, and the community needed to happen more and more. Um, Pam is the primary leader for our women's Bible studies, and she would do a long stretch of them. Um, but she saw this summer coming up, and she thought, wow, it's been such a hard year where people are just starting to get connected, and they really need time for connection. And so she, kind of an experiment, was it every other week, did breakfast it was every other, okay, yeah, and so it was remarkable. She, I didn't know if anybody was going to show up, but it ended up being, for many people, really a lifeline, a really a, a beautiful thing. There's somebody um, that, that talked to us about, uh, she was brand new here, and she was very excited. She's like, oh, this is where I got connected. This is where I got connected, and, and for her, she's like, I've been to some other women's ministry stuff at other churches before, and you never know if you're going to be welcomed, but but she said she was welcomed right in and felt like she was included and belonged. And, and she's one of the people that's becoming a member uh, later today in our um, annual meeting. So Hope Family, um, these women, they're helping each other follow Jesus together. So can we celebrate the way they point to Jesus with a yeah, God? Yeah. All right, all right. Um, how about our kids' ministry? I'm going to just hit on a bunch of stuff here. Our kids' ministry is fantastic. Our kids' ministry continues to love our kids and, and teach them about Jesus and prayer and scripture. Um, we've had some cool events where with Easter, uh, we had twice as many kids as normal show up. Um, Brittany and her team led the Hope Kids Day Camp last summer, a.k.a. VBS, and there were 56 kids that came to that, and almost all of them were neighborhood kids, just people from right around here and from some of the apartment complexes. And it was a huge, beautiful, beautiful thing. But as much as those 
Events were great. Oh, yeah, and we had, what else, the trunk or treat. We had hundreds of kids come through here. Uh, it was fantastic. But, but as much as those are great events, what I love is that Brittany and the volunteer team um, are watching God move in the lives of our children. Um, they're learning at their age to not only pray to God, but to listen to God. Anybody grew up in a context where like, you were taught to listen to God speak to you? <laughs> Very few of us, right? Um, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. Nine of our kids uh, this year publicly announced that they wanted to give their lives to Christ. Uh, which, yeah, that's a yay God, right? Um, and so there's so many seeds that are, that are growing. One of the cool stories um, is, is, is uh, about one week they learned how, hey, Jesus loves everyone, even though people we don't like very much. And so these kids are going home and praying and heard about one of the kids praying for, you know, praying for their peers who were bullying them <laughs> at school. They're praying for the cousins that don't share toys. We get some of those, right? Um, <laughs> But it's just really cool to see uh, how our children's ministry is, is um, pointing, you know, they're getting pointed, those kids are getting pointed to Jesus, and it's a beautiful, incredible thing. So Hope Family, our kids team of volunteers are helping our Hope kids love God and follow Jesus together. So can we celebrate the way they point our kids to Jesus with a, yeah, God, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I want to hit on our youth ministry. Uh, hard stuff to do all the time, but um, this year was especially difficult, but connections for teenagers were never more important as they were this year. And so our epic youth ministry team, they came together and built community as students and, and leaders, and they're learning to love each other, to learn about God together, and to follow Jesus and serve others. It's amazing. And so this year when COVID um, really disrupted a lot of student stuff, these friendships have started to be built and deeper conversations about life have been happening, uh, life and faith and, and helping each other to follow Jesus. Uh, Will made a, a short video that I think, let's, let's, let's watch it here, just some of the highlights of the year.
God, right? So much good stuff. Now, I knew first service I was running out of time, so I had to beg for, for mercy and forgiveness from our outreach people, namely my wife, Heidi. Um, uh, maybe we'll do a whole Sunday on just the outreach stuff that's happened, but I just want to touch on a few of the things that, that, um, that our outreach and, well, our team here, the, the Hope family, ways that we got to point to Jesus through many, many different things. Um, uh, I'll just list them, and then we'll yay, yay, yay God them after each one, okay? So, so the Hope folks, this family here, provided new clothing, socks, shoes, and hygiene products for each of the kids at the Naomi House on the Navajo Reservation in northern Arizona. Can I get a yay God? Right on. We had robust food drives for Matthew's Crossing, which is a, a place, a food bank that supports families in need throughout our area and in our city. Can I get a yay God? There was a hugely influential and, and impactful, affordable Christmas event that we held for the children of families over at San Marcos where parents could come and buy Christmas gifts at drastically reduced prices. And we also were able to help a refugee church in Phoenix with the overflow of that. So can I get a yay God on that? Um, as a church, we uh, were able to provide and continue to provide uh, support every month for two ministers um, on college campuses. We have Brandon Hodge from Maricopa Community College with InterVarsity, and we have Jessica Bonzo with Coalition for Christ in Pennsylvania. Jesus showing up for college students, y'all. Can I celebrate that? Can we celebrate that and get a yay, God? Yeah. Um, we continue to partner with our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, some of you know this, but we actually send a tithe from the church. We tithe on everything to them, and that tithe supports things like global missions, church revitalizations, leadership development, healthy pastor programs, church planting, and much, much more. So can we celebrate the work we get to partner with our denomination with Big Yay God? And in the uttermost ends of the earth global missions category, uh, we are able to provide monthly support to two international missionary families. We have the Asazas in Colombia and the Delps in Ecuador. So can we celebrate the work Jesus is doing through those missionary families with a yay God? Yeah. See, Hope Family, I think it's amazing that we get to do what we do and we get to do it out of love, loving others and pointing to Jesus. Now, I wanted to talk about two other things that I think are important things to celebrate about our church. Two things that I think are really important that, that they seem like they're unique because we hear about them a lot from folks that come to Hope or, or visit us. And one, one of those things is that, that Hope is a place that emphasizes the love and grace of God. Like, if you've been around here, you know that our messages uh, talk a lot about grace, about our identity, who Christ says we are. We talk a lot about God's unconditional love, that, that God is a good father, <laughs> he's not mad at us, <laughs> that he absolutely loves us. And um, I want to read part of a letter from Karen. Um, I got her permission, so it's okay. Yeah, everybody's like, uh-oh, yeah. No, we got her permission, don't worry. Um, and I just want to read part of this, and, and just because this is, a, this is a family thing about us pointing to Jesus. And Karen uh, had surgery recently and was um, uh, blessed by our meal train that went and brought meals. And then as she was recovering, um, she wrote this, and she said, I want to thank you and hope about something I just realized has been happening in me over the past couple of years 
since we started attending Hope. She said, I've been gaining a very different perspective of God. I've been building a loving relationship with God. My view of God is no longer one of harshness. In fact, I reject so much of that view, which I was taught over the years. It's not even funny, and I know it's because of the word that's been given and the teachings that are given that show us who Jesus is. And now, it's easier for me to catch myself before I go down that old road. Recently, I was told by someone that the pain I've been experiencing is perhaps a way God is slowing me down as if I'm doing something wrong. There's a day that I might have believed that and viewed God as a harsh God, uncaring, and then gone about spending time searching for some unknown sin to confess. But today, I know that I've been experiencing pain because I had an operation. (laughs) And, and this is so beautiful, Jesus is right here with me to ease that pain and to bring me comfort. He's been walking right beside me. So this person who's not from our church, I know they were incorrect, but they know no better. And how do I know that? Because of the teaching that I now understand from Scripture, the good news, the good news. And it's a different perspective on our Father. The Father does deal with our sin. He does discipline his children, but he's a tender, loving father. He's not inflicting pain on us. And then she said, this scripture comes to mind today. It's out of Isaiah 40. We'll have the first verse on the screen, but I'll read through the passage. It says, have you not known, have you not heard the Lord as an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. It's so beautiful. And again, this verse 28 here. Um, Have you not known? Have you not heard? And Karen wrote, so many do not know. So many have not heard. And she said, I pray that we as a church continue to get the good news out there. Not only that he takes us just as we are from all walks of life and situations and encouraging others to take him into their lives, but also that he really is a good God and all that that means. And it's, I just find that so beautiful that um, someone who's followed Jesus for a long time, and this is, many of you are, are so beautiful that the hearts that, that we have to just want to know more and learn more about God and Scripture, doesn't matter what age we are, young or old, or how long we've been a Christian, or if we're not yet a Christian, just the, the, the environment here of knowing that, that we can actually learn more about Jesus, and that the love and grace of God that we emphasize here at Hope is making a difference. It's making a difference. And so I'm so grateful that we get to point people to the grace and unconditional love of Jesus. So can we celebrate the way God's goodness and grace are healing our hearts with a yay, God? Yay, God. All right. Now, the last thing I want to celebrate is how Hope is this beautiful community a place where we can get real with people. And this word kept coming to mind um, 
from Acts chapter 2, verse 46, the word sincere. It says in Acts 2, 46, and they're talk, he's talking about the early Christians, the early church, and the community that they had. It says, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Sincere. Now, that word sincere is very interesting. There's a, an old story about its origin, but it, it, it gives us a picture of the meaning of the origin of this word sincere. It's actually made up of two Latin words, uh, sin, which means, let's go to the next one, um, sin, which means without, and seer, which means wax. Sincere, without, yeah. So, now the Romans, they prized these ancient Greek statues. And oftentimes, these statues were, you know, even centuries old. And so they get cracked and they get chipped. And, and sometimes there'd be a seller that would come along with one of these statues and and they would pour wax into these cracked areas to try to cover up the flaws and make the statue look better than it actually was. Now, if you had bought a statue and you got it back to your place and then you found that you had purchased one of those, you know, covered up statues, um, you'd be disappointed about that. But if the statue were authentic, if there was no attempt to hide the flaws, then it would be labeled sincere, sincere, without wax. Now think about that verse again, the sincere, glad and sincere hearts. It's saying here's a community of people that when they got together, when they got together and ate together, they did it with sincere hearts. There was no hiding, no hiding, no polishing, no pretending. Now where did they get this idea? Well, they followed a rabbi, a teacher, a leader, Jesus who was very unusual. See, they were in a culture where religious folks were always posing, always pretending, which is pretty common in most cultures and in times with religious people. And in contrast to that, you have Jesus who is authentic, who is sincere. See, with Jesus, whatever was going on inside of him, they found out about it. When he was sad, they saw him cry. When he was tired, they saw him sleep. When he was troubled, they would hear him say, now my soul is troubled, overwhelmed by sorrow. See, Jesus was upfront about his love for them, and they would hear him say things like this to his disciples, to you and me. I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. See, Jesus was the most transparent human being that had ever lived, and certainly the most transparent human being that they had ever been around. I mean, Jesus would even point out the contrast and point out how sadly many people, especially religious people, often try to look good on the outside, but... Their inner life is very different. There's a lot of hiding and pretending going on. And Jesus said to his followers, not us. Not us. We're not going to do that. We are going to be together with each other in reality, in authenticity, even when it's ugly or hurts or is hard. In our community, there will be no faking, no posturing, no posing with us. And they must have loved being in a community like that because it had never been really seen before, not before Jesus. And that's the kind of community 
that I think we all long for. It's the kind of community that you see here, I believe, and I hear from lots of folks that they experience that here at home. Not perfect at it. <laughs> We're working on it. We've got plenty of things to continue to let Jesus shape in us. But sincerity, sincereness, it's a beautiful characteristic to be sincere. In fact, <clears throat> one of the things that drew me to Heidi and one of the things that I admire most about her uh, is this kind of transparency of heart that she has. Uh, she's a very human person, and our marriage is full of imperfections. When she was here in first service, I made sure, you know, to say they were her fault, but um, yeah. <laughs> but the truth is, I found this, you know, freedom in her, a kind of freedom, this capacity for authenticity. Um, and she had a great, um, a great BS detector, for sure. That stands for baloney stuff. What does it mean? Is there a different... Yeah, okay, okay, just making sure to be clear. Somebody looked sideways at me after I said that first. So, yeah, she got a good detector. Um, uh, there's just this down-to-earth quality in her, this kind of readiness to let other people know what's in her heart, what's on her heart, what's important. And even when she gets tempted to worry about, oh, what are people going to think, or, oh, what are the consequences going to be if we do that, she, she ultimately just trusts Jesus and points people to Jesus. She is sincere, and not only does she not wear a lot of physical makeup, she doesn't wear a bunch of, you know, life makeup either. She doesn't hide from her past or her story before Christ or before our marriage. And part of what drew me to her, maybe even why that was so appealing to me, is that quality that she has. I know that I struggle to be as free as she is. Like, honestly, sometimes I find myself being more suspicious <laughs> than I would like to be. Um, like I can find myself working hard to manage what somebody thinks of me. Or, you know, like most preachers, we find a way to tell a story that makes me sound brighter, smarter, or stronger than I really am. <laughs> um, or, you know, there's just goofy stuff too. Like if I think somebody's really important, maybe I'll try to make it sound like I agree with them more than I actually do. <laughs> See, here's the deal with all of that is that I have to confess that I know that I sometimes wear too much makeup, too much wax. And that's what draws me to this sincere kind of person in my wife, Heidi. And I think people are drawn to sincerity in other people. And I think people are drawn to sincerity in groups of people and in church families. See, that's one of the things that I think is so beautiful about our church. It's because we're following Jesus, doing what Jesus did, um, that we aspire to be even more of a community without wax, to be sincere people, to be honest and real and transparent. See, because like I said, that kind of community points people back to Jesus. It's not about how authentic we are. No, it's we're pointing back to Jesus. He's the one that showed us this, how it works. Worship team, will you, will you come? Oh, so let's say yay God for transparency and realness. <laughs> you know, early in the year in our listening prayer, and this actually came up again last uh, couple of weeks in, in our listening prayer again, um, and I think, it, I think it might have been Brittany that had just this picture, uh, kind of a vision of a tree 
And again, we all resonated with this as she was speaking it, and, and our collective discernment was this is true. And, and this image of a tree was that it was growing deep, deep roots. And then once these roots took hold, uh, big, beautiful green branches burst out of the top of the trunk, and they were full of life. And so we interpreted that, again, collectively, because um, you test these words together. It's how it works. Um, and we interpreted that as the need for us to make sure that we are going deep, not trying to go wide, but going deep. And we're sticking with that in 2022. We want to continue to grow deep, not trying to grow bigger or wider. There's fine if God brings the growth, but our focus isn't on that. It's still on making sure that we are growing deep so that we will be like a tree that isn't shaken when storms come. Because how many of you know that storms come. Storms come in our own lives. Storms come as a church. We've experienced lots of storms as a church. And God has been faithful. And he is growing us and rooting us deeper and deeper. And even with that, we point and say, that's just like Jesus. That's another way we point to Jesus. That, that as a church, when we experience hardship and difficulty, we don't have to be shaken and blown over and done. But in the middle of storms, we trust that as we point to Jesus, he is the one, he is the one that is strengthening us because it's all about Jesus. So no matter the bigger difficult stuff we face this year, let's make sure we keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen? Will you, yeah, yay God, I like that. Let's do that. One more time. All right, will you stand with me and let's sing this song as a declaration together.